thank you so much it's for allowing me to be up here. I know pastor doesn't let just anybody take his pulpit, so it's an honor the fact that I get to stand before you this morning and, and bring the word. When he asked me to do it, it's a very uh, nervous and stressful thing. There's a lot of weight that's carried when, you're, when you have to give a sermon to so many others that I'm not worthy to, to preach to, right? And I'm so very blessed to have Gene and Betsy Rice, overseer and just a powerful couple in my wife's life and now in mine. So thank you so much. Now I got my crying out of the way. <laughs> Are you guys ready to hear the word this morning? I feel like the Lord has given me a word that he placed on my heart in the middle of, of some catastrophe this morning, this week. <laughs> Most of you know that there's been some things that's gone on in our little family and not only ours but have touched other families that Man, I'm thinking, what else? Lord, please stop. I don't need no more, right? But I'm so thankful to be here in front of you to this morning, and, and I feel like my heart and my mind is equipped and prepared to bring the word that God has laid on my heart. I'm going to be preaching out of Joshua this morning, chapter 6. Now, I'm going to be reading verse 1 through 5, and then I will skip down and read verse 20 of that same chapter. Real quick, if you guys will entertain me. I'm going to do something that I started doing in youth group this past Wednesday. Clap twice if you can hear me. Clap twice if you can hear me. Clap twice if you can hear me. All right, I think we're awake now. We're ready to go, right? <laughs> Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass, or march, around the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now skipping down to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Father, I love you today, and I thank you for the opportunity to bring forth your word to break the bread of life. And I have done so, Lord, I pray that you would bless it, that ears would hear what your spirit is saying, and that you would use me as the vessel in this hour to bring forth your word, according that it would be glory and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. The obvious theme of, of this scripture seems to be, don't stop too soon. Football games are not won in the first quarter. Baseball games are not won in the first inning, and a hunter doesn't go out and get his prey on the very first hunt most of the time. For me, I was fortunate enough to do that, but that doesn't happen most of the time. Your wall may not fall down the first time you march around it. 
The principle of complete obedience is introduced in this story and continues to reverberate throughout the word of God. We see it in Naaman the leper dipping seven times in, in the Jordan River, the blind man washing in the pool of Siloam, and the man with the withered hand reaching out and being healed. The point is that obedience is better than sacrifice. Without fail, victory comes on the heels of obedience. So it is with the Jericho story. There are a few things that we must take notice in this story. First thing we take notice of is the people. These were the Israel people led by Joshua. They approached this city called Jericho. They had done the work and done the job to scout the city, to see what is be, to be seen of the city. But it says that Jericho, the very first scripture says that Jericho was straightly shut up. Nothing came in and nothing came out. And I think that's significant because we get to see how the reputation of Israel precedes itself. We get to see how the people and the men and women of God precede itself. The word had reached Jericho that the Red Sea was parted on behalf of God's people, that the Jordan River was split on behalf of God's people, that they had overthrown and, and, and plundered Egypt and the Israelites, and they had destroyed the Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. It's obvious that Jericho, to Jericho, that these are the chosen people of God with a touch on their life. But when was the last time your city was so affected by the church's reputation? When was the last time anyone stood up and took notice when the name of the church was mentioned? Nowadays, we have a tendency to do church, but we don't act like the church. Can I get an amen? Y'all got real quiet on that one. But it happens sometimes, don't it? Sometimes we're too busy wrapped up in doing church that we forget who the church is. And we forget who we are as a men and women of God. And we forget what our job is to do on this earth. But these people in Jericho, they heard the reputation. They knew who was coming for them. They shut the city down to lock it down. The way nobody gets in and out because they were afraid of what would happen. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Christians, we are the people that God has chosen to move through this world and to make a difference in this day. The second thing you need to realize in this story is they had a problem. Jericho was a city to be conquered. It had massive walls all around it. There were guards that stood atop the walls ready to pour cauldrons of hot liquid on them as they tried to scale the walls. They had armed guards all around there were there were no weak places in the wall you couldn't break through it you couldn't chisel through it you couldn't climb over it Jericho was well defended the only way they're getting in is a miracle is a miracle that God would perform these walls in this story speak of our own difficulties in life that we have our own walls and our own barriers that stand between us and the promise of God between us and where God's trying to take us Satan always has a fortified wall. It doesn't matter. You break one wall down and another wall pops up. It seems like time and time again, you think you're headed in the right path. You think you're headed the right way. Wall, break it down. Wall, break it down. Wall, break it down. Am I preaching to anybody but myself? I felt like that's been me this week. We get over one obstacle, bam, another obstacle. We get through that obstacle, bam, another obstacle. Isn't that how the enemy works? He wants to keep us distracted, keep us busy, keep us so focused on his wall that we forget what's on the other side of that wall. And we forget that we need God in the situation, we need God in the circumstances to help break through that wall to deliver us to what God has called us into. See, your perception of the wall is the key. If you view it as an impossibility, you will lose. If you view it 
as an opportunity for God to move, you win. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Luke 1.37. The third thing we realize is that there was a plan. In this story, there was a plan. Once a day, God said, march around the walls in this order. Armed men, seven priests with the Ark of the Covenant and the rear guard. On the last day, march around these walls seven times. The plan that God gave them was very specific. And God always does things very carefully, doesn't he? There's no haphazard reason. There's no throw it out and see what sticks. God has a plan, and it's a very careful, very detailed plan, and our obedience is what's going to bring forth that miracle. And what happens a lot of times is we get too impatient. We're too busy wanting the victory that we forget that there's a plan along the way and that God's plan is what's best for our life, not ours. We get so focused on the end result that we forget how to get there or we don't listen to the instructions on how to get there. Our impatience, we want to skip the plan and go straight to the view. But throughout the Bible, you will find many if and then promises. What that means is you do this and God does this. If I do this, then God will do this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their lands. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If ye have have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you if the plan is working leave it alone leave it alone God's got the plan we don't have the plan we're to execute the plan we're to be obedient unto God and what he's asked us to do and ask us to do in that order and if we're in that plan and we're follow that plan we will see the victory amen I'm victor I'm victorious because God's leading my life because he has the plan all I have to do is execute the plan amen The fourth thing you understand is the power. The place of the ark in this story is significant. The ark wasn't at the front of the battle or or the, the march. The ark wasn't in the rear. The ark was in the center of the plan. We must have God in the middle of our fight, in the middle of our battle, in the middle of our march. God must be in the center of it. Some people are marching without God. They're praying, they're seeking, they're they're crying out to God for all these things, but they're on their journey without him, without him at the center, without him in the middle of their circumstances, without him in the middle of everything they're going through. We must place God in his rightful place in the middle of our situation, in the middle of our heart and soul, in the middle of our mind. We must place God there because he has the plan, and we can't follow the plan unless we have the Spirit of God with us. And the ark represented that Spirit of God, and that Spirit of God must live inside of us. It must be in the center of us. It must have ears to hear the direction of the plan, the way God would have us go. The power must be inside of you. Amen? In church sometimes, God's not in a lot of our plans. We have events, we have concerts, we have all kinds of things that draw attention, 
But it seems too often time the attention is brought to the church, not where it belongs. Because God gets the glory, God gets the honor, God gets the praise, and he has to be at the center of everything we're doing as a church. This movement wasn't founded on big churches or fancy buildings. This movement was founded upon God and transforming people's lives. When we take God out of the equation, when God's not the center focal point of everything we do, we get distracted and we lose those battles. Walls get thrown up that we can't knock down. Fifthly, the praise, one of my favorite parts. In Joshua 6, chapter 16, it says, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. This is a praise before the fact. This is a praise before the victory was won. This was a praise that would have a ripple effect that would cause the victory, but the praise happened before the victory. Amen? Praise is one of the purest forms of faith that I know of. Ask for it, then praise God for it. Don't wait on the victory. Ask for it and praise God for it. There are so many, Begin to praise God for the family that needs salvation, for your family. Begin to praise God for the fact that I need a job and with better pay and better benefits. Begin to praise God for a healing that I haven't gotten yet and watch what God's going to do. When he's in the center, when he's the focal point, you're following his plan and you praise him before the victory comes, victory is sure to come. Amen? Because our faith is not in us alone, it's not in our plan, it's not in our ideas, it's in God and his plan and purpose for our life as long as he's in the middle. The prize. It has been said, to the winner goes the spoils. But in this story, it's very significant to understand that some of us in life, we march and march and we, we struggle and we finally get the breakthrough. We finally get that answer that we've been seeking so hard for God for. And we mistake the curse for the blessing. And we take what's temporal and we think that's the prize. What I mean by that is everything in the city, God said to do what? Burn it all. Don't save anything. They didn't take no gold. They didn't take silver. They didn't take the garments. They didn't take the animals. They, they destroyed it all when the walls finally fell. And they destroyed it all. They didn't take anything because the blessing wasn't the riches that Jericho had. Sometimes we mistake the blessing for, to be the thing that's the obstacle that we're supposed to get to. It's important to note that in this story that those items, those temporal things was not the blessing. That was not it. It was the eternal things. What were they trying to do? They were trying to get to Canaan land. The, milk the land flowing with milk and honey. They were trying to get there. Jericho was the obstacle that was in the way. God was trying to tell them, don't worry about what's there. I will provide for you over there. But I got to get through this city. I got to get across this wall. I got to get through this next obstacle to get where I'm supposed to be. Because the promise of God, God had commanded Joshua and Israel to burn it all. And they did that. What's the purpose? All these things were tainted and tarnished by the evil, idolatrous ways of Jericho. The real prize was what was beyond Jericho. You must go through Jericho to get to Canaan. In, this week in my life, that's what I felt like. I'm, I'm here at the church studying, preparing to preach a sermon. And I, I leave to, I'm here for a couple hours. I leave to head home. And Eric is there, and the kids are outside playing. And, and halfway home, I get the phone call. 
when you get here, come straight to the garage. Neelan's had an accident. And I didn't know what happened. She sounded distraught and upset, though, so I knew it had to be important. So I get home to see what I saw. You guys have seen Neelan. He's pretty banged up. He's been a tough guy, but he's pretty banged up. Kids will play, but it wasn't just that thing. In my mind, it's another wall. It's another distraction. It's another tactic of the enemy to prevent me from focusing on what I have to do here in front of you this morning. Because earlier in the week, we had a pool party at my house. You guys know about it. I, I made uh, announcements about it behind the, pool, uh, behind the pulpit. And poor Olivia and Landon were playing in the pool. Bad things happened. Somebody pushed me in. Anyway, poor Landon ended up breaking her teeth off in Olivia's forehead. It was terrible. So that was Sunday. Then we moved on to later in the week, he got kneeling. I'm thinking, I got three kids. These things come in threes. Oh, no. I'm like, Carson, Lord, come here. Let me get the oil, honey. I'm going to pray. But the three was Olivia, I think. We've been praying for you, all right? Luckily, they're all recovered. Got not, I mean, everything's fine, right? But isn't that how the enemy works? We're focused and have our minds set on something so great, so fantastic. There's nothing better than sharing the word of God. There's that, and there's too many ministers in the house that know what I'm talking about. There's nothing better. Eric can tell you I've struggled at work. I don't want to be at work. All I want to do is this. It's gripped me. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a beautiful thing. But I still have to work. But the enemy has used so many things to distract not only me, I'm sure everybody in here has a story they could tell. But when I began to think about that, and I, was, and I came in here Thursday, and I was thinking, what am I going to preach? What, Lord, give me a nudge. Give me something to go. And I read over this Jericho story before I go and find out we're going to the ER because Neyland wrecked his bike. And I'm thinking, here's another wall. This is exactly what it's like. Wall after wall after wall. But the one thing that I do have going for me is God is in the center. Can, I, can somebody praise him this morning? Because God is in the center, so I don't have to worry about anything going on. I don't have to worry about a wall after wall after wall. God's going to kick that wall down. And I love what the Bible said. The Bible said the walls fell flat, not in a pile of rubble, not that they could come years later, archaeologists, and uncover the wall. As a matter of fact, I Googled it. They can't recover the wall. It's gone. When God does something in your life, he does it totally. It's a total transformation. It's exactly what God has planned for your life. Every wall that's popped up in front of you, every distraction that the enemy tries to do, keep on keeping on. That's all I have to say is don't stop. Keep digging. Keep chugging. The, God's inside of you. He's leading it. He's got the plan. All you have to do is execute that plan, and God will come out. You will come out because of God, and he'll be glorified through it all. Can you praise him in this house tonight, today? And it's okay to share. It's, for me, it's okay to share those, those struggles that we have, right? Because I know I'm not alone. We all go through things in life, but the answer is still the same no matter what we do. And that's the beauty of the God we serve. The answer is still the same. I tell the kids that in youth all the time. We win. We win. There's a, you talk about a plan. There's a plan. And all we have to do is follow and execute the plan. 
and keeps God in the center, and we win. I like winning. I like When I played football in high school, I liked winning. Didn't do a lot of that, but I liked winning. We all like winning. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody plays a game to lose. This is not a game, but you see the analogy. It's important. It's eternal. Keep God in the front. So what we see in this story is, number one, that Jericho had a problem. The problem was the men and women of God and Joshua headed their way. That was the problem because the reputation preceded itself. They knew who was coming. And another beautiful thing in this story is that the Canaanite gods that they were praying to, how do you think they felt? right? Their walls fell flat, and the people of Israel took the city, the Bible says. They didn't have it handed to them. They took it. The Canaanite gods couldn't do nothing about it, but the God we serve, because those, those men and women of God followed his plan, kept him at the center, and they had the victory. First thing they had was the problem, which was Israelite people headed their way. The second thing they had, I'm sorry, the first thing they had was the people. The second thing they had was the problem. The problem was the fact that Jericho was the wall that Israelite people had to go through. They were on their way. The third thing we understand is the plan. God gave them the plan. God told them, if you do this and do this, you'll have the victory. And they did that. They followed the plan. That's what we must do in our lives. Fourthly, they found the power, and the power was that the Ark of the Covenant was where God had designed it to be, at the center of that march. The power of God, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us needs to be at the center of everything we do, of our heart and our lives, guiding our minds, guiding our soul in every situation, every circumstance. Pray first, do second. We don't know what to do unless we prayed and sought God for the answer and for direction. Amen? Fifthly, we have the praise, and that's where we praise him and worship him. That's one of my favorite things to do. Y'all know that because you see me up here singing it every Sunday. But I love to praise and worship. But we praise and worship him even before the victory is won because we have faith and believe that the victory will be ours. Amen? And then lastly, the prize. The prize is not gold, silver, things of this world. The prize is, in their case, was Canaan land. But for us, it's that we make it home one day to be with him eternally in heaven. You guys can stand. I'm going to close. Yeah, that was the, one of the fastest sermons I've ever preached, but I got you out of here early. The prize is that we make it to streets of gold one day. That's the definition of success, that we make it there. And like that song says, that we see those who have gone before. And we get to experience heaven eternally with, with our lost loved ones, our people we've never met. That's the goal, right? To get there. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to get there, get to heaven. And I want to I wanna, I wanna crowd heaven. I want to make heaven not only standing room only, because let's be honest, we ain't going to be sitting. I want to make heaven so crowded and so overpopulated, and I hope that all of you do too. And we can do that by just following God's plan. Let him be the center of our life and follow his plan. Don't settle for the temporary glory of an immediate conquest, but look ahead to the real prize that awaits those who obey God. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's in Revelation. 
The end's coming near, and he shall be my son. Some of you may be struggling tonight or today for, with some walls of your very own. I have no doubt that there are those of you all across this congregation that have those walls and that are struggling with those walls. So the question then becomes, do you have the plan? And if you have the plan, is God in the center of that plan? Maybe God is. Maybe, maybe it's not that God's not in the center or God, that you don't have a plan. Maybe you have a plan and you're a man and women of God, so God's in the center. But we get a little impatient at times. We want the end result now. We live in a very fast-paced, drive-through world. We want it now. But sometimes there's, there's something in the wait, Ken. There's something in waiting on God's answer. There's something in waiting on the Spirit of God to move in your situation. There's something about that. And maybe that's you. Maybe just the patience is a struggle. It's hard to deal with. I know it was for me. God taught Eric and I so many valuable lessons about patience early on in our marriage. And but if that's you, if, if you're struggling with those walls and you just need a little encouragement today, I'd love to pray for you this morning. I would love to seek God with you on behalf of those circumstances, those situations, those things that, that you're going through and ask God to give you that patience, give you that plan to center yourself. If you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I will always invite those of you who want to get to know him to come this morning. I would love, I would love to help you meet, meet our Savior. I've been in the place within the past probably six months where I didn't know what the answer was. And I didn't, I, I had God in the center, but I didn't do my very best most of the time, right? And what I mean by that is the enemy, there's so many ways he can distract you and, and, and play with your mind and, and make you think things that aren't true and you fall for it because you're wrapped up in the emotions of life. So there's times, there times that I, would, I was struggling in and of myself dealing with those same things. Like, God, I don't see your plan. I'm, I, I'm following you. I'm trusting in you. I, you're at the center, but I don't see the plan. But then in good timing, like God always does, he reveals himself to us when, when the time is right. And then you look back and you're like, why didn't I see it before? But it's all part of the plan. Sometimes in life, that's where we're at. We don't know which way to go. We don't know. It seems like our, our mind and our body and our daily lives are just in, it's in repeat over and over again. Wake up, work home, go to bed, wake up. It's a repeat. It's a repetitive thing. And all the while we're searching for that specific job, that specific task that God has for us to do. Or we're searching for a specific answer to the specific problem. It's so very important that you just wait and keep trusting and relying on God. Those of you who would come help me pray.
One thing I do want to do before we leave today, all the kids and teachers, middle school and up, I would like for you guys to come. Everybody can come up. I would like to pray over you guys because we're starting back school. It's a difficult time for the students, difficult for the teachers, and I would love to pray a prayer over you and everybody that would come help me pray. These kids need our prayers, and these teachers need our prayers. The parents need our prayers. This is when the altar gets full, right? They go through things, these high schoolers and middle schoolers, even college students go through things that I can't say that I've experienced them going through the same thing, but it's detrimental enough that they need the hand of God over them. They need that, a protecting hand to walk with them each and every day. I'm waiting on everybody to get up here because there's a few that had to come off the balcony. 
but we're going to get them all. This is one of the most important things we can do as, as parents, as grandparents, as, as leaders in the church, is pray for our young kids. doesn't matter the age, but it's one of the most important things we can do because that's the next generation, right? They're going to be us in the coming years and coming decades. They're going to be bringing their own group in. So it's so very important that we do this. And those of you that would, please help pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would cover each and every student each and every teacher with your hand, God, and your power. Lord, let just cover them with a cloud of protection. Lord, a mighty hedge that the enemy cannot pierce. And Lord, as, as things are brought to them, Lord, that are evil, as the enemy tries to tempt them in ways that, that they can't even and we can't even comprehend, Father, I'm believing that your protection will be with them. I'm believing that their hearts and their minds and their bodies will be shielded from the temptations of the enemy and from the temptations of anything evil that would come their way. Father, I pray that they would learn, that they would grow. God, that the teachers would be protected. And God, that you'd be with each and every one of them as they go throughout their day to day. And Father, may you protect them, may you keep them, may you encourage them, may you speak to their heart and minds and minister to them. Let them be a light and a beacon wherever they are to the school, to the community, to the county, to other teachers. And let the teachers be a light unto the students. And Father, we are believing for your protection. We are believing that they will be all right. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord praise.